The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. This is Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues, everyone. Great to be here with you today. I'm Seth Yudinsky, the producer of Financial Issues, filling in for Shanna Burt, who is on vacation this week, but she will be back next Monday. So we are very excited and honored uh, to be able to carry on continually for her while she's gone. It's an honor for me to do it. It's humbling. Uh, And I would urge you to pray for Shanna as she is taking some well-earned time off. Folks, both a news update and also one that pertains to our ministry. As you probably saw, Amazon announced that they are canceling Amazon Smile. That is disappointing news for us because, as you know, that's one way that you can actually donate to our ministry is through Amazon Smile. And for the past 10 years, Amazon has offered this way for nonprofits like us to be able to receive donations whenever uh, people purchase things on Amazon. It's been a great way for us to be able to get a little bit of extra income as well. But they said that they're discontinuing the program uh, effective February the 20th. So there's still a month to go for this program here. They were saying that they're spread a little bit too thin to have any real major impact. I saw numbers upwards in the billions of charities that are connected to Amazon Smile. So I do understand that. They said the average donation was just south of $230. So not a huge impact from a numeric standpoint. I think we would argue here at Financial Issues that that's not actually true, that a lot of crumbs make a loaf. And uh, the Lord very oftentimes uses our little efforts and multiplies them. But Amazon, not being a Christian company or a biblically responsible company, doesn't understand that. By the way, you can still give to FISM through Amazon Smile for the next month. I want to make that very clear. And they actually mentioned that in their press release that they released yesterday. They didn't talk about FISM. (laughs) That would have been cool if they did, but no, they just mentioned how charities can still receive donations through the next month, Uh, But once that February 20th date hits, they're going to shut the program down. So I would tell you for the next month, if you purchase anything on Amazon, use Amazon Smile while you still can and choose Financial Issue Stewardship Ministries as your charity of choice. And that will then force them to give a donation to us. Talk about the wealth of the wicked being stored up for the righteous. Good stuff there. But I say no worries because I believe the Lord is still going to provide for us anyway, as he has in the past. So wanted to make sure that you were all aware of that. It's disappointing news, but it's understandable. I'm not excusing Amazon for it, but it seems like they're in a pretty rough spot as it is. And maybe this is related to those 18,000 employees. Perhaps some of those employees actually worked in the smile department. So when they discontinue the apartment, they had to get rid of their employees. Makes sense. But the Lord's going to continue to provide for us, friends, as he has. We're confident of that. So I would ask you to continue to just pray for us that the Lord would provide. Folks, we have a, uh, some Shanna content here that we'd like to get to right now. So here is host of Financial Issues, Shanna Burt. Thanks for joining us at Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. So we here at the ministry put forward for you the opportunity to become a partner with the ministry so that you can learn all about stewardship how to be biblically responsible with your investments, and how to just be a good steward in general. So Pat has said that we've gotten quite a few questions where people are asking what BRI means. So that's good news to me because I know that that all of you who have been around for a while know exactly what that means, and that's why you're here. But that tells me that we're getting some uh, the attention of some people that we've never had before, and that's a good thing. So I want to take the opportunity to say exactly what biblically responsible investing means. So the premise here is whenever you own an equity, so that's a stock, a stock is a publicly traded company, which means that if you want to own a company like Walmart or Walgreens or Valero or whatever it is out there, Disney companies that you see all the time. Some of those that I just mentioned are biblically responsible. Some are not. So don't take that as an endorsement. But if you want to own those companies, you can do that by purchasing shares of stock. So you can purchase as little 
as one share of stock and become an owner of that publicly traded company. So in the scripture, ownership is also is the same thing as stewardship. So we believe that God owns everything. He created it all and it all belongs to him. Now, what he does is he puts certain resources, whether they're financial resources, um, time is another, talent is another, under our control and for our use. But we have responsibility there for what we actually do with it. So if we want to become an owner of a company, that can be a very good stewardship decision because if you remember the parable of the talents, the master was very pleased with those with his stewards who increased what he trusted them with while he was gone. Now, because we, we don't own it. Now, equity means ownership. That's the way that the world sees it. We still see that it's stewardship. So when we buy shares of stock, we're taking God's money to own or to steward ownership in a publicly traded company. Now, we don't get to make the day-to-day decisions about what happens with that investment, right? Publicly traded companies are governed by their, their daily and ongoing actions by a board of director and management teams. Um, they report to the public periodically. There are certain things that they have to report. So we don't get to make the day-to-day decisions about what happens with that company, but I believe that we retain stewardship over the choices that they make because it involves our money. We are entitled as shareholders to our share of the company company's assets, our share of the company's profits. So if the board of directors makes a decision, for example, to take some of the company profit and donate it to a Planned Parenthood clinic, we have now become complicit in supporting that Planned Parenthood clinic and agenda. So as Christians, we believe that life is precious. We don't want to be involved with helping anybody get an abortion. We would rather speak life to them and to their baby, uh, not only life for the baby, physical life for the baby, but eternal life for them as well. So we don't want to be involved with those kinds of agendas. So we just call Wall Street to operate in excellence. Whatever you do, do it well and stay out of the culture war. Let individuals like us fight the culture war. Let us be outspoken. Let us um, be outspoken about our values to bring other people to repentance and to life and to protect the vulnerable in our society. So being biblically responsible means that we screen out companies that are actively engaging and using shareholder resources to support values that don't line up with our Christian values, like abortion, pornography, the LGBTQ plus agenda, human rights violations, and anti-family entertainment. So if you want to know more about that, and if you want to know if the investments that you currently own or steward are biblically responsible or not, go to our website, financialissues.org. Along the right-hand side down there, if you scroll down a little ways, you'll see what looks like a wheel with some different icons that represents all of the things that we screen out. You can simply put your email address in. Nobody He's going to contact you, but that's that's how you get access into the tool, and you can put the symbol of whatever you own in there, and you can see whether or not it is biblically responsible. Caution. <laughs> Once you have knowledge, you have responsibility to do something about it. So if you find out that your investments are not biblically responsible, if you're like me, that will lead you to a journey that... <laughs> In order to receive rest, you're going to have to be obedient and do what the Lord says to do about what you now know. So we offer a strategy here at Financial Issues. If you want to be a partner, we teach you how to build your own portfolio with biblically responsible companies. If you're not that interested, we give you some alternatives. So the Timothy Plan is a mutual fund company that has been around for more than 25 years. They are the pioneer in the industry. They are completely sold out for the things of the Lord, and they are um, very good at giving you mutual funds that are biblically responsible, that are screened. So you can check them out. You can get to Timothy Plan from our website, financialissues.org. 
as well. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Did you know that an average 1.2 million babies are aborted each year? Listen, we have an opportunity at Financial Issues to change that, and we're doing it. Tens of thousands of lives have been saved because of Financial Issues listeners just like you. For $140, you could save the lives of five babies. All $140 goes to the Pregnancy Center to sponsor ultrasounds. 80% of the time, these ultrasounds will change the mind of a young lady that is considering abortion to choose life. Would you join us in the fight against the atrocity of abortion? I hope that you'll go to preborn.org or call pound 250. The keyword is baby when you're asked. Preborn.org. That's preborn.org. FISM News is a conservative news source with a biblical worldview. With us, you get just the news grounded in truth. And now, with the new FISM TV app, it's even easier to take FISM news with you wherever you go, so you're never behind on what's happening. Not only are FISM news articles updated regularly throughout the day, but you can now easily access and read them right from your smartphone. And with just a few taps, you can share stories with friends through messages, email, or social media. Also, you can conveniently watch or listen to The Daily Show on demand and even go back to see recent broadcasts. Coming soon, you'll be able to download the podcast version of the news for offline use. So go ahead and visit your app store, download the new FISM TV app, and start exploring this engaging, educational, Christ-centered content today. Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, friends, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Seth Udinsky filling in for my friend Shanna Bird. Happy to be here with you once again. Lots more to get to here, friends. I don't think we're going to have time for it for this segment necessarily. Although, you know what? I did want to just mention really quickly before we get to Craig. Some economic numbers did come out. I just want to give you a highlight of some of these. Jobless claims for January 14th came out. They came out at 190,000. The previous was 205. It was expected at 215,000. So this was a bit of a miss here. The fewest initial jobless claims since September. Meanwhile, housing starts for the month of December came in also lower than the previous month at 1.38 million. The nation is building fewer homes, and that is the lowest number actually since July of last year. Finally, the Philly Fed index also came in for December. It was down 13.8 in November, and it was down again this month, though not as much, and actually not as e- even as much as expected as well, down around 8.9. It was expected at around negative 10. Well, friends, we got a special guest here with us, friend of the ministry. You know him and love him. This is our ag reporter, Craig Haugard. Craig is on the program with me, a dear friend of mine and a friend of our ministry. Craig, great to have you on, brother. Welcome. Seth, it's always a pleasure. Great to be with you. Yes, sir. The, the uh, pleasure's mine, Craig. I always love when we get to do this. Uh, you know, I feel like we always talk about how when we talk together, we just sound a little more brilliant, don't we? 
We do. We just kind of bring out the best in each That's other. Right. <laughs> well, Polish up that piece of coal, you know? There you go. There you go. That's right. Craig, I, I wanted to start with something hilarious. You had shared this with me, and I just wanted you to share it with our audience. So on Tuesday, folks, if you remember, uh, I shared about some of the ridiculous ways that our government has been spending money. We were talking about the $1.7 trillion spending package. Shanna had mentioned it in one of her clips. We saw that we're spending $3 billion on beekeeping, $65 million to restore fish in the Pacific, another $3 million on a Michelle Obama trail nonsense. Craig, you had one that you added. This was from several years ago on what the state of California is using their taxpayer money to spend on. Can you share with the listeners what that was? Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, Seth, but if I remember correctly, it was $213 million uh, to measure cow, cow flatulence. <laughs> which uh, I just think is, is awesome. They had the cows outfitted with tanks so they could capture all the methane gas whenever they, they passed. Remarkable. And, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, science that we, we desperately need in this country. <laughs> there you go, folks. That's your hardworking tax dollars at work there to capture cow gas. Remarkable. Yeah, you know, Craig, we were talking about the national debt. You wonder why we're so in debt. Maybe because we're spending money on ridiculous things. It could just be an option. I mean, I don't know. There may be an outside shot that that's a part of it, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Craig, yesterday, on yesterday's report, you had mentioned some issues going on in Argentina with the drought. I'd love you to bring our listeners up to speed on this, brother. How might the weather in South America be impacting what's happening up here? We know there's a drought going on down, uh, you know, down there. What else is going on? Is there anything good that's happening? What can you tell us? It's a real mixed bag in South America. Uh, the drought has hit uh, Argentina extraordinarily hard. Um, Argentina is the number one exporter of soybean oil uh, and soybean meal in the world. So they do a lot of processing. A lot of the major companies have processing plants in Argentina. Uh, when we started out the year, the USDA was projecting that they would uh, produce 49.5 million metric tons of soybeans in that nation this year. Now, in the last USDA report, they dropped that down to 45.5 million. But if you look at what the Rosaria Grain Exchange, or the people that trade grain in Argentina, are, are reporting, uh, they're, they're saying now they think that number is actually going to be 37 million. So it, it appears at this point that they're not going to even produce enough soybeans in Argentina, maybe to meet the demands of the uh, crushers in that country. And in fact, last week we already saw some uh, crushers in Argentina buy beans from Brazil to bring over to, to crush. So if you uh, start to uh, create a, a demand to actually import beans into, into Argentina to meet their, their crush needs, uh, that will limit the number of beans that in turn get shipped out of, out of Brazil and and then puts a, a greater demand, perhaps, for, for U.S. soybeans down the road. So it's the three big players. Now, Brazil, on the other hand, uh, southern Brazil is, is having some drought issues, but it appears that they're going to produce a, a record crop of, of soybeans this year. So uh, in, in the last few days, or last few weeks, actually, it's, it's the Argentinian drought story that's gotten the bulk of the uh, attention. Mm. Uh, as normally happens in a market, you go to the – uh, you know, the, the, the potential gloom and doom story and, and react to it. But, you know, I, I think we're harvesting soybeans in, in Brazil now. Uh, the beans in Argentina, for the most part, are flowering, uh, starting to set pods. And so the, in the next uh, week or, you know, next few weeks, we'll have a pretty good idea of the size of the Brazilian crop. And we'll really be able to more accurately measure the damage being done to the Argentinian crop. So, Craig, you know, sounded like it's kind of a mixed bag coming from down there. I, I love that you have a pulse on that, Craig, because I don't know if any of you listeners are like me, but the <laughs> what's going on in the ag market in South America is probably the last thing on my mind. So, Craig, I'm glad you mentioned it because that obviously has an impact on our food supply up here and on, you know, what else could be going on up here for us. I'm really glad that you said that. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the markets are, are, from an agricultural perspective, uh, you know, exports are such a big deal that, uh, you know, I guess in, in my position, I need to watch kind of what's going on worldwide because sure. it does impact prices in the United States for sure. Yeah, yeah. Craig, is there anything else going on worldwide that we should be aware of? I know in the past we've talked about, you know, how Ukraine has been, that conflict there has certainly impacted us as well. But just anything else we need to keep our radar on as Americans, what's going on in the world that could affect our ag culture? Well, I think just from a pure interesting watching a slow motion car crash i think what's going on in, in china is, is pretty fascinating mm, yeah 
Um, last uh, last week, or I guess maybe earlier this week, the China's National Bureau of Statistics reported that it actually had a, a drop in the population, about 850,000 less Chinese now than there were a year ago. Yeah. Um, that hadn't happened since 1961 when they had the Great Famine. What we're seeing there is the impact of 40 years of a one one child yeah. um, programming. I mean, they've aborted uh, uh, mil- hundreds of millions of, of babies have been killed there. Mm-hmm. And, and as the listeners probably know, you need about a 2.1 fertility rate uh, to maintain a stable population. You got yeah. the the two children replace the two parents, and then that point one usually accounts for deaths during infancy or childhood or something like that. Mm. Well, when you reduce that down to a one, um, you quickly uh, start to decimate your, your future population growth. And then the other thing we've seen there is the sex selection, because they, you're only allowed one, and most of them wanted a, a boy. Yeah. And so you've got the point now where if, if you look at the 20 to 24 year old age group, for example, in China, uh, there's about 113.6 men for every 100 women, uh, and again, that doesn't bode well if you're you're trying to rebuild the population. So it it appears as if they're past the tipping point. I really don't think there's any coming back for them. Mm. Um, right now, I think there's 1.4 billion people in China, uh, according to some uh, analysts that I've read. By the year 2100, they think that could be under 500 million. Wow. And why that's important to us is that China, of course, is the number one importer of agricultural products. You know, and so mm-hmm. obviously 20, the year 2100 is nothing that is going to impact me personally because I'll be long gone by then. <laughs> uh, but as you look at, at trans and assuming uh, that God hasn't returned by then, um, you know, it, it's pretty interesting what's going on. And again, I think a, a reflection on what happens uh when you try and play God and, and uh, limit your population, it, it's not going to end well. Amen. Man, you, you touched on multiple levels there, Craig, about you know the, a, an abandonment of core tenets of the biblical worldview. You know, We saw the abortion rates high, the one-child policy. Also, you see when there's a disparity between one man and one woman, it's hard to repopulate then, you know? And so we're, yeah, and just, you know, one more that you mentioned also really sounds like a stewardship issue as well. It seems like if the Chinese had maybe looked just beyond themselves a little bit back in the 60s when this was happening, uh, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But it seems like they were kind of thinking about, hey, what's uh, what's impacting us right now? Good lesson mm-hmm. for us that we got to be looking ahead to what's coming and, and seeing how we can uh, be a, a benefit and a blessing to the generations after us, you know. Oh, very much, very much. So I said, that's yeah. an excellent point, Seth. It was very, very self-centered, uh, immediate outlook with, with no thought to the long-term implications. Absolutely. Craig, I appreciate it, man. What, uh, with the time that we have left, brother, what, what's going on else in the U.S. that we need to be aware of? I'm seeing, obviously, eggs had a crazy year this year. Disappointing for me because I love my eggs in the morning. Uh, what can you tell us about what's kind of going on there and any, a- anything else U.S. specific that we should be aware of. Sure. Eggs are, are, are amazing. We've had, uh, as, as we've talked about at times on the program, uh, bird flu has swept through the nation this year. Um, like the bird, bird flu has been found in all 50 states in, in wild birds, and it's been found in commercial poultry operations in 47 states. So it's, it's a widespread problem. Uh, and early December of this year, we had about 308 uh, laying hens. That means hens that are are producing eggs for consumption in the United States. Yep. That was down 20 million birds less than we had the previous year at that point. Wow. Uh, when, to have a kind of a, a balanced supply of eggs with U.S. consumption, we need to have about one egg per person per day being produced, and uh, or about one bird per person to produce eggs. And we got about 331 million people in the United States and 308 million uh, laying hens. We've got a shortfall. Mm. And, um, you know, we've had about 58 million birds die as a result of the bird flu this year. A lot of those were laying hens. Uh, right before Christmas, for example, there was a one and a half million birds, uh, a laying hen operation uh, in Colorado that, that had to be destroyed. So what happens Seth, is if you find a, a, a bird with a bird flu in your flock, you have to destroy all the birds in that facility. Mm. Then you have to sanitize the facility and then finally get it certified that it's free of, from the bird flu before you can put uh, birds back into that facility and, and get it ginned back up again. Man. So uh, it's been a, been a huge problem. Uh, my fear is that uh, when spring comes and we get the migra- uh, migrating birds coming through once again, 
uh, that, that that could uh, that's, that's how it gets spread, frankly. So yeah, uh, there's it may not be out of the woods yet, but it's it's a pretty simple problem. We've got uh, too many people wanting eggs and not enough <laughs> birds to keep laying those eggs, and so the prices go higher. Absolutely, Craig. Do you see any hope of egg prices coming down soon, or do you think you know you said we're not quite out of the woods yet? You think it's short term we could see that, or maybe a little bit long term? I, you know, the nice thing about chickens is that you can get them up to speed relatively quickly. Yeah. Uh, I, I did notice uh, week over week from the, and again, I'm just looking at the price received by, by farmers for eggs. Uh, last week was $3.10 a, uh, a dozen. The, mm. the prior week was $3.83 a dozen. So from, from a farmer perspective, uh, the price dropped by 73, $0.73 cents a dozen in, in the past week. Yeah. Um, don't know if that's indicative of a longer-term uh, drop or not, but I, I would think that the, the numbers should be starting to build in terms of the number of, of laying hens. Yep. Uh, we get these uh, facilities uh, certified as being free from bird flu again, and, and I think they'll ramp back up, sure. and, and we should see prices continue to drop. Absolutely. Folks, that's Craig Halgard, our Financial Issues Ag Reporter. Craig, always a pleasure having you on, brother. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll be back right after this break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to to take take care care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read His Word daily, and obey His teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit IndiaPartners.org to see how your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these five million children never be without quality god-honoring entertainment always at your fingertips and within your view in your home and on the go you'll never be without fism tv watch financial issues outspoken FISM News, and more God-honoring TV right where you are. Tune in to FISM TV anywhere, anytime. I would like to thank you very much for giving me the impetus to consolidate my portfolio into one advisor. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. Everything fell into place. I felt so much peace and the consistent ethic. There is a certain contentment that everything will be fine. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. Securities offered through G.A. Reppel & Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of G.A. Reppel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. 
Hey friends, welcome back. Financial Issues. I am Seth Dubinsky filling in for my friend Shanna Burt. Happy to be here with you and happy that you have joined us today as well. Well, friends, we have uh, some more content here from Shanna Burt. Shanna has great wisdom, not just in finances, but also in the political realm and what's going on in Washington. And she has some great timely comments here about what's going on, particularly in the GOP with the recent house craziness that we saw. Here is Shanna Burt, host of Financial Issues, with more content. Thanks for joining us at Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shanna Burt. Well, here recently on January 7th, after a bit of a struggle and 14 failed votes, we have a Republican Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. So, <laughs> yes, he. in order to win, he had to make some compromises with some Republicans. Yes, he's a Republican, <laughs> but he had to make some compromises with some conservative fiscally responsible Republicans in order to get the gavel. So he did that, and the new members of Congress have been sworn in, and the rhetoric is looking promising. (laughs) Now, we know that most politicians don't end up following through on what they say that they're going to do because it's just the nature of the beast being there I can only imagine the spiritual forces around Washington, D.C., and the temptation that lawmakers have to stand up under. And we just, we need to be praying that they can stand up under all of that temptation. But some of the things that I'm hearing that I like is that Republicans have killed the Democrats' pay as you go rule or shorthanded as pay go. It has required that legislation. Would add, that would add to the deficit be offset with tax increases or spending cuts. Hey, there's a novel idea that you only spend the money that you have. That's what needs to happen in this country. Interestingly enough, I'm looking at the debt clock right now, and federal tax revenues have ticked up to $4.67 trillion and U.S. spending has ticked down a little bit to, five, to right under $6 trillion a year. So the gap does seem to be closing a little bit. But let me just tell you, we have a long, long way to go if we're going to start to apply to the, to the government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. You hear that all the time when you listen to financial issues. So spending is going to have to be supported with actual receipts. That is a novel idea, and I'm glad to see that they're at least talking about it. So the GOP has replaced PAYGO with this called with something called CUTGO. So they're going to require mandatory spending increases be offset with equal or greater decreases to mandatory spending No new taxes allowed. The GOP has put this into place, had also put this into place in the 112th Congress. The first Republican bill on the chopping blocks, you'll be happy to know, is the, they're cutting spending by $80 billion to fund all of those 87,000 new IRS Agents, So that's a good thing, but it is expected to increase the deficit by $114 billion over a decade. So not going to pay for the new agents, but it's also going to do away with some of the um, fraudulent uh, tax dollars that they were hoping to find. They also want a full accounting of any unauthorized federal programs and agencies that received funding in the last year. Well, wait a minute. If they're unauthorized, how did they get money? Glad they're going to be looking at this. I hope they really do it. The rules of the package further require committees to weigh whether any programs should be moved from mandatory funding to discretionary funding. I guess that means only spending the money if you have it. 
which would then force that spending out of the automatic process every year and into one controlled by lawmakers. There's another novel idea. So the talk sounds good. I just hope that the follow through is there. I would have to agree with Shanna on that one. Talk is great, but hopefully the follow through is there for this GOP-led House, which thankfully is there because it can finally, hopefully, start to put a put the brakes on some of the ridiculous spending that uh, the entirely left-owned Washington has done in the last two years. We'll see. So, good stuff there, friends. Lots to talk about. Uh, I do want to remind you as well, our financial issues retreat coming up. I don't want you to miss this, okay? Please, there's space. Please sign up. Come to the retreat. It's going to be a wonderful time, a great time of refreshment. This is not partner-specific. Obviously, if you're a partner, we'd love to see you. But if you're just a listener to the show, if you like the show, feel free to sign up. Feel free to sign up. It's very easy to do. You go to the website, financialissues.org. You scroll down a little bit, and you see a box on the right-hand side that says Financial Issues Retreat in big letters. Click on that. That'll give you all the information. I do want to mention as well, if you can't go, you can still provide the opportunity for someone else to go. We're offering a scholarship opportunity where someone who cannot go but wants to pay for someone else to go can do so. We're offering this first for military and first responders Uh, So if you are interested in doing that, here's how you do it. It's very simple. Make a donation to the ministry, any dollar amount that you want. I would suggest probably paying the price of admission for the retreat. Make a donation to the ministry and just tell Pat this is for someone else to go. And you can say who it is, or I suppose you can keep it a surprise if you want to. That would probably be good if you said who it is, just so we know what that is exactly for. Space is limited, so make sure you sign up today. Shanna's going to be there speaking. Marty Getz is going to be leading worship. And our guest speaker is going to be Tony Perkins, the host of Washington Watch. So it's going to be a great time. I'll be there, God willing, with my wife, Megan, and I hope to see you all there as well. Uh, Elijah, what do we have there on social media, brother? Yeah, so on Facebook, we have Ann saying, Seth, keep up the good work. Thank you, Ann. I appreciate that so much. That's great encouragement to hear. Yep, we really appreciate that. We have John saying, good morning. FISM team. I enjoy listening to you, Seth. John, thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that, man. Sometimes I was telling the guys during the break, sometimes when I uh, say things like after this first segment, uh, sometimes I say like, I don't even know what I just said. (laughs) So I do appreciate that very much. I'm sure those of you who have spoken publicly before understand, you know, if you've given a sermon or if you've given a speech or something like that, and you look back on it and you think, I don't even know what I just said. So I'm glad it's making sense, John. I'm glad you're listening. Yep. Yep, and we also have uh, Gene Fisher saying good morning, FISM family. Good morning, Gene. Thanks for listening. Yep, and lastly on YouTube, we have Jason saying good morning, Seth. God blessings on the whole FISM team. Jason, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you listening on YouTube. It's good stuff there. Yep. Uh, Well, folks, we have some more things to get to in this program. There's a couple of partner questions that I would like to address Uh, But I think I'm going to save these for the next segment there. Um, I also actually have some comments about the fear of money. Now, maybe one of my team members can correct me on this, but I believe we do still have some copies of the fear of money left and the workbook as well. So, yes, I just got a thumbs up from Darlene in there. If you're interested in the fear of money, why don't you reach out to us? Reach out to us. We would love to be able to provide this resource for you. Uh, it is a fantastic book. It's given me great encouragement over the years. And, you know, it's a way to still glean wisdom from Dan, even though he's no longer with us. So I would encourage you to check this out. We're going to be diving into this. Uh, a very short, actually, uh, sort of sentence from this, I'll call it, because it's not even a paragraph, it's just a sentence. But we'll do that in the next segment. I'll save that for then. For now, folks, we're coming up on a break, but hang with us. we got one more segment left in today's show. Thanks for joining us. Financial issues, don't go anywhere. Be right back after this break.
People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. We're in the financial business. We manage a couple of trusts and some estates and, of course, our own monies, too. Courtney Trotter talks about the charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation. I understand annuities about as much as anyone, I guess, can. So I just felt the charitable gift annuity was a win-win situation for many people that still are generating income and still have assets because you never know when you may have to draw down on something like that and if you don't ever have to then it's even a better gift to get to a really good foundation like AFA a very solid investment a good way to help do the Lord's work and it's there to help us as well Find out if the charitable gift annuity can work for you by calling the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Welcome back, friends. Thanks for joining us here. Financial Issues, happy to be here with you. Uh, Elijah, what do we have there on Ask Shanna? Yes, we have a couple questions here. We have James. He says, I'm getting an inheritance that is partially in individual stocks. I plan to take them in kind to avoid capital gains in the estate and assume I will get stepped up in basis. I will sell those that are not BRI, but there are two utilities that are on the broad list that I would like to keep and hold. I know about the no buying if not on a buy list, but can this be the exception? Well, James, I'll answer that question by telling you I think you actually have the answer to that question already. I would love for a follow-up from you just to see, and this would probably be a question that would be better suited for Shanna, but I did want to address this because I can answer part of it for you. Um, I'm not entirely sure, James, if you are, if, if those stocks that you're looking to hold, if they're already a hold, or if they're stocks that you're looking to buy off of the broad list. If you're looking to buy them off the broad list, I would say no. But if you bought them when they were on the buy list and they're now on the broad list, I don't think it's a problem to hold on to them. 
I, I think you just said it right there. No buying if not on the buy list uh, is a, a good model to follow. Definitely. Yep. So I uh, hope that makes some sense. Yep. Thank you, Seth. Yep. And we have Russell. He says, what is financial issues position on holding MA40? He's age 56. Awesome. Russell, this is a stock we've talked about uh, somewhat over the last couple weeks. Shanna has mentioned it briefly. And again, Russell, as I answer this, please understand this is me answering this. So I, my knowledge compared to Shanna's is far less. But I do know that we are keeping an eye on this stock right now. It is not on the buy list, but it is on the broad list. I believe it's been on the buy list in the past. Uh, I would say from my limited knowledge and from what I've heard Shanna say over the last couple of weeks, I think you're safe to keep holding it. Uh, hopefully that makes some sense. If you want to ask a follow-up question with that, I'd encourage you to do so as well. But I think you're okay to continue holding that one. Uh, and if you want to ask next week, even when Shanna's back, feel free to do so. Yes, sir. And we have Gail. He says, as we attempt to get our cash and cash equivalent categories allocated, it will be helpful to have a cash equivalent category added under the buy list and under the cash category to have the definition of cash only. As a 65 and a retirement member, maybe this will clear up the confusion some of us are having. Thanks to all of the saints at FISM. Awesome. Gail, thank you for that comment. That's a great one there. And yes, I will make a note of that for us to be able to try to go into the back end of the website and see if we can't make that a little bit clearer for you. I, I know that Shanna has said this to all of you, that we are somewhat at the mercy of our website contractors uh, with some of this stuff, but we're going to do our best to just really be on them to make sure that this is as clear for you as possible. So yes, Gail, I'll make sure to make a note of that and we'll get that cleared up for sure. Well, thank you all for those questions, friends. I appreciate it. I hope they made some sense. Uh, I know as I answer some of these questions, I can't go as deep, even close to as deep as Shanna can, uh, but I hope that it can be helpful for you nonetheless. Speaking of helpful, a helpful resource here that I love, The Fear of Money, Dan Celia's book. This is a great summation of being biblically responsible with your money, honoring God with your money. And I wanted to close our show today by reading a very very brief section of this. Uh, in fact, it's only one, two, three, four, it's only five words. So uh, here's our section from Fear of Money today that I'd like to share with you some practical wisdom. Dan says this, by the way, sorry, it's eight words, including by the way, by the way, saving is different than hoarding. Saving is different than hoarding. I don't want you to pass over this foundational advice. This is so important for you, even if you've been an expert, if you've been doing this for 20 or 30 years, or if you're young like me and you're maybe just starting out. So important to know the difference between saving and hoarding because on the surface, they can seem like the same thing. So I was reading through the fear of money yesterday and I was looking for something to share with you this morning and I came across this tiny little nugget in here in the middle of chapter two, money represents your life effort. At the end of a paragraph, I saw these words. Saving is different than hoarding. So profound. They seem familiar, but they are very fundamentally different. How so? Here's what hoarding money is, okay? Or hoarding stuff even. It's gathering as much as you can in fear of losing that which you have gathered. It is fear-based gathering. I've seen so many people do this and I feel bad for them. I'm also frustrated when I see this. They will take every single hand-me-down item that they're given, no matter how, how much, <laughs> no matter if it deserves to be in the garbage or not, they will take it. They'll take every furniture, every piece of clothing because they're afraid that they won't have enough. So they hoard. They put their confidence in the amount that they have. And that's not a good place for confidence to be. I believe this is a response that is entirely based in a lack of trust. Lack of trust. We look at the chaos around us, we admit, you know what, it's crazy. And then suddenly we begin to think that, oh, you know what? I need to hold on to what I have because that's what's going to keep me safe. We do this with stuff. I believe we do it with money also. You know, folks, it's foundational. But if you think about it, money is meant to be spent. It's meant to be spent wisely, for sure. 
But in the end, it's meant to be spent. All of the money that you have, if you think about it, is going to be spent on something, even if it's not going to be spent by you. If you're generous with your money and you give it to your local church, and your local church takes the check that you gave them and they use it to keep their lights on, they have paid their electric bill with the money that you gave them, or they take the money that you gave and they help pay their employee's salary. They have now paid someone else with the money that you gave them. None of us has taken any of this with us. When I say money's meant to be spent, I'm not saying money's meant to be spent foolishly or frivolously, but at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's for. Hoarding money is a me-focused approach. It's a self-centered approach that is purposeless. You find security in having more of something that, you know what, is either going to be spent someday or is going to be dust someday. Because that's the truth from a spiritual perspective. Hoarding money ultimately says, I do not trust God. I don't trust God. That's what it says. On the contrary, saving money can be very different. If you save money with a, with a right heart, with a pure heart, then it can very easily be based in wisdom. It is preparing for the future, come what may, but not being strangled by fear. It is purposeful gathering. Saving money, and I love when Dan used to say this. He would say it, he would say it very often in somewhat different ways, but uh, we need to live as if Jesus is coming back today, but prepare as if he's not coming back for another hundreds of years. When you save money, you are preparing wisely for the possibility that Jesus won't come back today, and he won't come back tomorrow, and he won't come back in 50 years. All the Christians in the room hopefully say, no, no, make it happen, Lord, come back today. I agree with you. But there's the chance that he won't, which means we have to be prepared. That's wisdom. That's what saving is all about. It's living with the understanding that everything you have belongs to the Lord, so you have a responsibility to do well with it to please him. Hoarding money holds money like this. For our radio audience, I'm clenching my fists. Saving money holds your stuff and your money with open hands. Understanding that none of it belongs to you anyway. Saving money is having money set aside for the inevitable needs that come up. For example, the transmission blows in your car. Dan would give that example often. Maybe a health crisis comes up. Maybe you got to get the roof replaced on your house. New tires for your car. A new refrigerator. That's what saving can help with. If you put money away for that, you're not going to need to go into unnecessary debt to afford something that is basic. It might not be cheap, but it's basic. Saving money in contrast to hoarding as well, which remember is me-focused, saving money is others-focused and God-focused because you're putting that money away not only to meet the daily needs around you for you and your family, but also to leave a legacy that comes after you. You're putting money away to bless your children or to bless your church or to bless the ministries that you love. Ultimately, friends, the beauty of this is that when you save money with a heart that trusts in God, you begin to understand that it is God who provides all your needs. I'll ask you a rhetorical question to close our show. Is not God our loving Heavenly Father who provides for our needs as, as his children? Does he not delight in this? Those of you who have children and grandchildren know what I'm talking about, how much joy it brings you to give to your children. Think about how much greater it is for our Heavenly Father to provide for the needs of his children. And that's what he does. He's very good at it. So let's not be about the business of hoarding and gathering and hunkering down and holding so tightly to our stuff. Let's be about using wisdom and holding what we have with open hands, knowing that it all belongs to the Lord anyway. Friends, it was a joy once again to be back with you. 
Remember, it's all his. Let's be found good and faithful servants. God bless you. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.